chapter 20. If you do not know where Exodus is, uh, go to the index and hang right two books. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible. Uh, If you're using the black Bibles in the chairs there, it's page 49. So I'm going to let everybody find Exodus chapter 20. Then what I want you to do is take your bulletin, uh, offering envelope, uh, the ribbon from your Bible, whatever you got to do, mark that page, and then close your Bible. Okay? Either that or you can turn it over on the chair next to you. However you want to do it, doesn't matter. I just don't want you to look at your Bible right now. And you'll understand in a minute, okay? You'll, you'll understand. It'll make sense. But I want you to find it and then close your Bible. Is everybody there? Are we there? Okay. This chapter is, I believe, one of the most in, impactful chapters of all Scripture. Apart from, I believe, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, Exodus chapter 20, and this is my opinion, okay? Exodus chapter 20 and following has had more impact on on the human race than any other passage of Scripture apart from the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a powerful statement. Anybody know what is contained in Exodus chapter 20? The Ten Commandments. I have five questions for you. And, and, and what's different about the message this morning is I need feedback. I want you talking to me, okay? So I have five questions to start off this morning's message. Number one, how many of you think that the Ten Commandments are a guide to live by? If, that, if you think that, raise your hand. Okay. <clears throat> and these are not trick questions, okay? So don't think I'm trying to trick you in the, in, the, in the... That's not the point. Question number two. Are they ten suggestions or are they ten commandments? commandments. Okay, they are commandments. They are not suggestions. God says, boom, thou shalt. Number three. How many of you would say that it is more than just a guideline, but something very important to the heart of God? How many of you would say that? Okay. The other day, I won't tell you who it was because it's not important, but I had lunch with a a, a couple uh, that a little, little bit older than me, and we were sitting eating lunch together and I asked them that very question and they both replied the same way the majority of us did yes I I would I would agree with that statement that it is more than just a a good guideline to live by but it is something that is precious to the heart of God question number four I asked them this question. How many of us here today 
would say that we try to live our lives according to the Ten Commandments. How many of you would say that you try to live to that standard? Okay, many, many of us. Then, as we were sitting eating lunch, I said, wow, that's, that's, that's good. I said, now, if, if you have tried to live your life according to the Ten Commandments, which I, I believe every person should do, and that the Ten Commandments is not just a simple guideline, but a command and something that is very precious to the heart of God, I asked this couple to name the Ten Commandments for me. Any idea how many they got? Four. four. Who said four? Rolando? Okay, you win. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, they got four of them. So this morning, and, and that was just two people. So this morning... I hope Chris understood my note uh, in, in my, in my uh, thing to him. But <clears throat> we're going to see if we as a church can identify all ten. What is the first one? Okay, okay, okay. Raise your, okay, don't, don't yell them out. Okay, yes ma'am. That is correct. There shall be no other gods before me. Now, me personally, I always tend to get number one and two combined. I always think they're one and the same, but they are absolutely not. What is number two? No. No. John? No graven images. Thou shalt make no uh, uh, make unto thee no graven images. Uh, number three. This one has been said. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> it's one of them. That's that's one of them. But that's it's down the line. Yes. Yes. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Okay. Uh, number four. This this is this is this is a little. It, it, once you get past three, it becomes difficult. Anybody? Number four? Nope. I mean, it's one of them, but that's it's not number four. No. <laughs> there you go. Number four is keep the Sabbath. Okay. Uh, number five. Okay, it's been said. And Sean, I want you to say this one. Nope. Yes. Honor thy father and mother. That's why I was hoping Sean would be able to pull that one out. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> now, now, I, I, okay. Now, I, I want to stop here just to say this, this was not planned. It's not in my notes. Uh, honor thy father and mother. Is there a moratorium on the on on age here? No. Okay, you, you honor your father and mother regardless. I don't care how old you are. You, you need to continue to honor your father and mother. 
I, I, I believe that. I, I believe it has a lot to do with the respect that we show, even though our parents may have uh, passed on, we, we need to still do that. Anyway, that, that's, anyway, we'll get there later. Number six, anybody? No. Thou shalt not kill. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Sean. Number seven. There you go, buddy. You got it. Okay. Number eight. It was just said a minute ago. No. Not the not the lying one. Steal. Thou shalt not steal. <clears throat> Number nine is one that I always forget. I mean, I, I, I know it's there. I just, I cannot, it's the, it's one of them that I just, I always, I can't recall. Yes. Yes. Bear false witness. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And then number 10, covet. Thou shalt not covet. Hey, we did it. I, I, I'm impressed. I am too. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why I wanted you to close your Bible, because, because I know that many of you would have been reading down. Oh, but see, the, the, the reality is that it took all of us to get all 10. So, my question then becomes, if it is so important to the heart of God, why do we not know them? And many of us ad- admitted and, and said that we try to live our lives according to the Ten Commandments. But we really don't know them very well. Actually, the, 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 the reality is, uh, Jewish tradition says that there were not ten commandments. A- anybody know how many commandments the, the, the Jewish tradition taught? There's 613. So, These commandments, these Ten Commandments, are not just a guideline, but how do I want to explain this? God made a covenant with Israel, a contract, if you would. And these Ten Commandments and the other 603 were all part of that covenant. Now, it's important to understand that the law was never supposed to be a pathway to salvation. Okay? It it, it was never, God never intended the law to be a pathway for people to attain salvation. Now, why, simply, why is that? You tell me. Okay, because we can't, we can't do it. But if we could, if we could, then we would be able to earn our salvation. 
And it would, it would no longer be a free gift of Jesus Christ. So, so the, the, the law was never intended. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be made justified. I am asked periodically, excuse me, I'm asked periodically, how did the Old Testament saints get saved? You know, we use in the New Testament, uh, you see the word saved in the New Testament. How did the Old Testament saints get saved? I, I get asked this quite often, and, and, and to be perfectly honest, it is a really, really good question. But in order to understand that, I want to talk about how we get saved today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. For I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again a third day according to the Scriptures. John chapter 3, verse 17 for God sent not his son into the, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So how then do we get saved today? Okay, we, okay, very, okay, let me, okay, it's through Christ, but you have to understand, we get saved by faith, <clears throat> excuse me, by grace through faith in what Christ did. Okay, so let, let's just, for, for, for illustration's sake, let's just say the pulpit represents <clears throat> the cross. We are over here, and we look back to the cross. And by grace, through faith, we accept what Christ did. Do, is, that, is that, okay, you got that. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Old Testament saints got saved the exact same way except they're over here and they were looking to what Christ was going to do. It's still by grace through faith. But they were trusting in what Christ would do where we are trusting in what Christ did. It's the exact same thing. We see it in the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. He believed in the Lord, and, it, and he counted it to him for righteousness. <clears throat> we see this same passage referred to by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament in Romans chapter 4, Verses 2 and 3. Paul goes on to explain a little bit more. Romans chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. In other words, 
if Abraham was saved by his own abilities, by his own works, uh, uh, he hath wherefore to be uh, to glory. In other words, what Paul is saying is, as good a guy as Abraham was, if he was able to earn his salvation, then the praise would not be going to Christ, it would be going to Abraham. Paul goes on, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Paul also talked about David's faith in what Christ was going to do in Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are ye whose iniquities are forgotten and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So, question. Can anybody tell me what the oldest book of the Bible is? It's the book of Job. Okay? Job is by far the oldest book of the Bible. So, Job chapter 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. Who's the Redeemer? Jesus Christ. The oldest book in the Bible gives us affirmation that his Savior lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So, if the law or the Ten Commandments or or the 613 commandments are not an avenue for salvation, then why did God give it to us? Why did God give us the law? Why did he give us the Ten Commandments in in Exodus chapter 20? Why? John? To show us our need. See, and and if you don't get anything this morning, get this, because if you don't get this, then then this sermon is nothing but a bunch of words. The purpose of the law The purpose of the Ten Commandments is to act to our souls like a mirror. Now, James chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 says, But uh, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholdeth his uh, natural face in a glass. Or <clears throat> if, if, if we are not a doer of the book, we are a hearer and not a doer, it is like a man beholding himself, uh, his natural face in a glass or a mirror. The word glass there is a, is a mirror. Now, <clears throat> this morning... As I got uh, ready to come to church, <clears throat> I stood in front of the mirror like most of us did. There's a couple of us that looks like we've never looked in the mirror. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, 
But I, I looked in the mirror, and the, let, let me ask you a kind of a, 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 an obvious question. Does the mirror lie? No. As, as much as we want that mirror to lie and make me a lot skinnier and a lot better looking, I'm already good looking. No, I'm... I'm <clears throat> but seriously, when you look in the mirror, you see the truth. You see exactly what you look like. Like it, lump it, bump it, or dump it, it doesn't matter. You get what you get. And the, the Ten Commandments, the law, is God's mirror into your soul. When I look at the Ten Commandments and I, and I compare, I look at that, God in my soul is saying, look at yourself. So the Word of God, the, 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 the Ten Commandments, the law, I mean, you can fill in the blank however you want. It is a mirror into what is going on in your heart. And the reality is, most of the time, if we are honest with ourselves, what God is showing us through the mirror of the Word of God doesn't make us very happy, does it? So, well, let, let me read, let me, well, let, okay, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> if you were to, I don't know, say you were outside gardening, cutting the grass, do, doing something outside, and you, and you come, come in dirty, and you look in the mirror, and you see, I don't know, a smudge of dirt on your nose, do you take your face and rub it on the mirror to get the dirt off. No. The mirror is only a reflection of truth. So how do you get the dirt off of your... The mirror doesn't remove the dirt. What removes the dirt? Water. Water and a little bit of soap. You know, most of us would grab a washcloth, get it wet, you know, put some soap on it. I don't know, but I would, and I'd just get it wet and go, and I'm done. Okay? The mirror is only the revealer of truth. It in itself cannot clean your face. So, then, now let's apply the Ten Commandments, because that's what we're talking about this morning, can the Ten Commandments reveal truth about us to us? Yes. Can the Ten Commandments clean the dirt in our lives? No. How then do we clean the dirt off our nose, spiritually speaking? Through the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water 
by the Word. See, it's the Word of God when we take it and we apply it to our lives that cleansing can take place. The law is only to act as a mirror to reveal the dirt in our lives. Do y'all get that? Man, I'm almost out of time. I'm going to preach extra long this morning just for you. (laughs) The title of my message this morning is the Ten Commandments, and we are not going to get through all ten of them this morning. I'm I'm just telling you. But we are going to get a start on it, hopefully. There are two major divisions in the Ten Commandments. The first four are literally between you and God. Now, the the last six, five through ten, are between you and God, but it has more to do between you and other people. So it's it's more of a the, the first the first two are between you and God. It's a horizontal thing. The the the, the last six are a, a, like a triangular thing. Does that make sense? God is still in the in the mix of it all. But in the New Testament, Jesus kicks it up a notch, if you would. And he says something in Matthew chapter 5 that totally destroys the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day. He says in Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 and 28, ye have heard that it it was said uh, by them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already, where? In his heart. Did I not give you that verse, Chris? Sorry. So what is Jesus saying? That the intent is more important than the action. Now, question. Does this intent that Jesus is talking about here, does it only apply to the seventh commandment? No, it applies to all of them. Actually, it applies to all 613. So, so in essence, with the Word of God, or, or the, 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 the Ten Commandments, being a mirror to reveal what's going on in our lives, what is the one thing that God is after in your life? Your heart. Because it is the heart where intent grows. So, point number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus, let's go ahead. Hopefully you, you haven't uh, taken your, your bulletin out or anything. Exodus chapter 20, let's start reading in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, 
which have <clears throat> brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse number three, for thou shalt have no other gods before me. We need to recognize in our lives that God wants. Now let me let, let me no. God must be the only God in your life. Now <clears throat> let me let me point something out to you. A little a little uh, theological lesson here. Look at look at verse three, and look at the word gods. What do you what do you see? Huh? It's the it's a little g god. The phrase that he uses, "the Lord thy God," is repeated five times in in this passage of scripture, in verses three, five, seven, ten, and twelve. I know I know Bonnie takes copious notes. Do you want me to repeat that? Three, five, or two? Excuse me. Yes, uh, two, five, seven, ten. And 12. Do you think that God, God's desire to be the God of your life is important to him? Absolutely. That's why it's the very first one. Israel, was, as a nation, was surrounded by nations that worshipped many, many gods. Uh, <clears throat> they they, they uh, uh, were pagan. Uh, <clears throat> almost every nation that surrounded Israel at the time was uh, superstitious. And Israel was supposed to be the light in the dark world. In Psalm chapter 115, I want you to pay close attention to the first two verses uh, <clears throat> that I'm going to read here. Psalm chapter 115, verses 1 through 8. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. So, so it starts off by saying it's not about us. It's not about us, but it's about you. But unto thy name give glory for, the, for thy mercy and for thy true sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold and works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes have they, uh, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they have not. They they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throats. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. In other words, they're empty. 
The people that trust in these gods are empty. And Israel's responsibility on the, on the world stage was to be a light to a dark world. It was not about them, but it was about him. And every time God did something great, it was supposed to be about God and not them. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Ye are the light of the world. This is the, this is the New Testament. So who, who, is, who is this talking about? Us. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. When God is our God and we have no little G gods in our lives, who gets the glory for our lives? He does. Question, what God or gods do people see when they see your life? When people stand back and look at your life, what do they see? Do they see a capital G God or a small g God or gods? The reality is, most of us, including myself, cannot get past the first commandment. As much as we say we love God, how much is He the capital G God in your life? Hold that thought up to, up to your face. And let God show you if He is the capital G God in your life. Point number two. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Verses four to six. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or likenesses of anything uh, that is uh, in heaven above or uh, in the earth beneath or uh, that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments." There is a belief that is sweeping our country today. The belief is called pluralism. It's a, it's a big theological word, and it simply means it denotes a, a diversity of views or standards rather than a single approach or method. In other words, well, I have a picture for you. Have any of you ever seen this bumper sticker? Next time you see it, run it into the cart. No, I'm teasing. Uh, 
No, th this, this is the symbol of pluralism. What this symbol says, in, 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 without saying it, is you worship your God, I'll worship my God because all gods are equal. That's pluralism. I, I, I'm sorry. Pluralism is both illogical and unscriptural. It's illogical because, think about this. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. Because, think about the word God. Pluralism says, you worship your God, I'll worship my God, and we're all good because our gods are equal. Let me ask you a question. Logically speaking, can two gods be equal and still be gods? No. It, it goes against the very premise of the word God, the all-supreme, almighty God. So you cannot logically have multiple gods and Call them gods. You can. You. They're not gods. We call them that, but there can only be one god. There's only one god. So logically, plural, pluralism is all washed up. Scripturally, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says, "I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will not be given to another." neither my praise to graven images. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Pluralism is a philosophy right out of the pits of hell. It is, it is illogical and it is absolutely unscriptural. Question, what is an idol? Okay, we, we immediately, at least I do, I go immediately to a statue when I think of an idol. Boom, that's that, that, pow, that's what pops into my head immediately when I think of the word idol. Is that what an idol is? Well, that is one of many things. So what is an idol? Okay, anything that gets between you and God. Anything. Uh, a guy named Warren Wiersbe, I, I, love, I love his commentaries. I'm going to let him answer the question because he's a whole lot smarter than I am. He says, anything that takes the place of God, anything to which we devote our energy and time or for which we make sacrifice because we love it and serve it. Wow. So, can an idol be, quote-unquote, a good thing? Absolutely it can. He goes on. The idol that entices God's people today are things like money, recreation, success, material possessions such as cars, 
houses, boats, and so on and so forth. Knowledge or even other people. So, I am supposed to love my wife unconditionally, am I not? Can I do it to a point where she becomes an idol? Absolutely. Anything, anything that comes between me and God is an idol. James chapter 4, verse 4 is a verse that, well, before I read the verse, let me, let me, let me say this. Oftentimes in Scripture, idolatry or, or, or paganism uh, is, uh, is, is um, likened unto adultery. Okay, that's how God views when when we as believers <clears throat> do not worship Him but worship something else. God looks at it as though we were committing adultery. Okay, uh, James chapter four verse four: Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that your friendship with what the world is enmity or an enemy with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of this world is an enemy of God. God desires a relationship with you. The second commandment has everything to do. It is not about worship. It's about relationship. God wants a relationship with you. But if, you, if your relationship is with an idol, something in your life, someone in your life that is taking you away from him, then God is against it. I, my mind, as I was studying this, my mind immediately went to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 is not written to the unsaved. It is written to the church. God is begging us. He's knocking on the door of our hearts and he wants so desperately for us to put away our idols and spend time with him. What does your relationship with God look like this morning? Number three. Thou shalt shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Number three. uh, Thou shalt uh, not take the the, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Exodus chapter chapter 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. My father-in-law, I wish, I wish you all could have met my father-in-law. He was, he was a unique individual, to say the least. He was, he was uh, born and raised in the poorest county uh, in, the, in the country at the time. It, it may still even be the poorest county, uh, Clarendon County and uh, the rural part of South Carolina. Uh, he he grew up poorer than dirt, 
And <clears throat> one thing that he taught me was the importance of a good name. Uh, <clears throat> he was the kind of man that he did business with a shake of a hand. And, and, if, and if you were doing business with Doc Parker, and he, he, said, he said, okay, I, I'll pay you on the 15th, you could take it to the bank. He was just that kind of man. Now, to my knowledge, and he, pro he had probably had to have because he owned a home at one time and, and a business, but I never knew him to ever sign a contract. Did, did you? Yeah, well, but that's not really contracts. But anyway, you know, everything he did, he did with a shake of a hand. And he taught me the importance of an important, the, the importance of a good name. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 21, or excuse me, 22, verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor uh, rather than silver and gold. To my father-in-law, the most important thing in his life was the reputation of his name. That, hands down, that was the most important thing to, to, to Doug Parker. His word was his bond. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think it is any different with God? If a man, like... I don't know, what was his education level? What, sixth grade, maybe? If a man with a sixth grade education and a, and a World War II vet, yeah, I forgot about that, at one time a wealthy business owner could conduct himself in such a way that his name and reputation were so important to him. Don't you think the name and the reputation of God is just as important? If, if not more. And when the Lord's name is taken in vain, it is a direct assault on his reputation. It is so important to God. And the first part of the Lord's prayer is very revealing to us, if you've ever noticed it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. What, anybody have an idea what the word hallowed means? Reverent? Uh, uh, to, to make holy? Uh, to, 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 to sanctify? To make... That, that's God. Hallowed be thy name. People blaspheme the name of God when they curse. But we also blaspheme the name of God when we do not keep our promises. When we, as believers, do not do what we as believers are supposed to do. What does the world look at us and say? The world looks at us, and when, when we do what we want to do, 
the world looks at us and says, wow, if that's, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. Who, whose name gets blasphemed? God's. See, there's more than one way to blaspheme the name of God. Now, I've just gotten through three <laughs> of the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you a question in closing. How's God's mirror doing this morning in your life? How is the, the mirror of the first three commandments? Is it starting to reveal some dirt in your life maybe? I'm here to tell you, none of us are guilty. The whole purpose of the Ten Commandments, the whole purpose of the law is to show us that we cannot do it on our own. We can't. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Just the first three. I, I sat in my office and I, as, I was, as I was putting all this together and God was so, so working me over. I thought, oh, my soul. And I'm only through three. I can't imagine. Oh, I don't know. I don't, y'all want me to stop here and just go on to something else next week? I, I, but seriously, why did, why did God give it to us? As a mirror to show us how much we need Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want